This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined as I am each and every week by Bazooka Joe Valtellini. And Joe's with me this week. Last week, we had some scheduling conflicts among the, the two of us, so we did one long show with interviews, but now we're back for the, uh, the splits. We've got our... Uh, our you know, our regular conversation. You know, last week was a good week for us to not be together, Joe. There was not much to talk about. No, no. But uh, this week, I mean, I'm excited for some of the fights. Um, I'm connected to Giga Chikache. I know him well. So um, a lot to talk about this week, at least. Well, Giga, I did a, a deep dive on the Contender Series yesterday on uh, the, the people that have competed on the Contender Series and how they've done. And uh, one thing that stood out to me is, like, the, the, the fighters that lost on the Contender Series... Their total record was like 23 and 39 or something along those lines. And like six of those wins were Giga. Like Giga, I think, has the most wins yeah. of anybody that's been on the Contender Series. I think O'Malley also has six. I think he's six and one. But of anybody that's been on the Contender Series that has gone on to the UFC, I think Giga has like the most amount of wins. He has the best record for sure, like in terms of anybody who's been on the show because he's six and oh. He has uh, the best undefeated record of anybody that's been on the show. So kudos to him for bouncing back uh, from a loss there and becoming a real player in the, uh, the UFC. Yeah, and, and I mean, he started slow. It looked like his conditioning was bad. It looked like if he didn't get his range and striking, he would, you know, have problems. But, man, he's developed his, his you know, takedown defenses improved significantly. He's got that power to put guys out. I mean, he's always known for his uh, left kick to the body, which he calls his giga kick. Uh, but, I mean, it's to beat him, it takes a confident pressure striker. And this is why I think Barboza versus Giga is a very interesting matchup. Yeah, very much so. Um, I, I, like the, I like that matchup a lot. I think it's a, a solid one for Giga because, you know, Giga hasn't fought, like, an elite striker yet, I don't think. Like, I'm going to go back and look at who he's fought so far. He's fought uh, Jamie Simmons, short notice opponent. Omar Morales, you know, tall, kind of technical striker. Uh, Irwin Rivera who uh, I think was undersized. I think he moved up from bantamweight, uh, another short-notice opponent-type situation. Uh, Jamal Emers, uh, he was a big underdog against Jamal Emers, but yeah, Emers isn't really like a power striker. He's more of a well-rounded fighter. Uh, Brandon Davis, again, more of a well-rounded fighter who was uh, fight probably more of a natural bantamweight. Uh, and then Austin Springer and uh, Cub Swanson. So uh, that's, uh, those are the guys that he's fought so far. So Cub Swanson, obviously the best of the bunch really the only guy that's ever been ranked of the guys that he's fought. So Barbosa is really a, a big step up in competition for him. I'm, I'm eager to see how this one goes. Cause I, I expected it just to be a really good technical striking match. Like a, right. Like I, I don't expect to see a lot of grappling in this one. <laughs> yeah. But I, but I think Barbosa would be the more well-rounded fighter if he had to kind of mix things up and kind of try to shoot and kind of, mixed levels i think it wouldn't be a bad strategy for him i mean i think pressure is key and i mean if Barboza's going to win the fight he has to come forward and giga's giga fought one of my coaches here at bazooka in glory kickboxing so like planning for giga like it was everything was about pressure try to counter the kicks so if if uh, barboza comes and pressures and starts you know putting things together and, and tries to wear Giga down. I think that first two rounds for Giga is dangerous for anybody because when he's full of energy and he gets to mix his kicks, it's scary. But the, the weird thing is that usually the strategy against Barboza is to pressure him. So Barboza is kind of used to being pressured rather than actually applying the pressure. So it's kind of a different situation for him. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, and they both kick really well, which is what I like to see. It's, I think you're going to get a, a nice level IQ fight. And 
Stand up is a little different from MMA to kickboxing. So, I mean, you got to think when it comes to stand up striking in mixed martial arts with a small glove, it's, you know, Barboza that has the experience. But Giga Chikadze, as an overall um, striker, has the more experience with the bigger gloves, but it's different. So, I'm really intrigued in this fight. And uh, because I know Giga well and, and I know his level, it's really interesting to see how a kickboxer could do at this level. So, exciting matchup for me. Do you lean Giga in this one? Giga right now is a very small favorite, but a favorite nonetheless. Well, I think slightly because of the personal connection. But if I was an odds maker, I would probably put Barboza as a Sorry, favorite. I made to a be mistake. Honest with Barboza you. is a very small favorite. Barboza is like minus okay. one fifteen. Barboza minus one hundred five. Chikadze. Yeah, I mean it's still basically a pick em, but basically a pick em. Yeah, but I would have thought Barboza would have been a, a bigger favorite, to be honest. But again, that mo that momentum that Giga has, it's uh, that that plays a big favor in, in in fighting. Momentum's a big thing. Barboza opened minus one fifty, so so the the money has been coming in on Giga since the opener. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of the the journalists and uh, odds makers, I mean, they're all picking Giga to win, so. I mean, that was surprising to me. I just thought maybe I knew something people didn't know about Giga, obviously, that at that higher level. But I think a lot of people are on the same page. I'm not sure about this one. Like, I've, I I, don't have a strong lean. Like, what's the underpay? I, Neither do I. Like, I, I, I'm, like I said, without the personal connection, like, man, it's, it's, it's tr- truly to me a, a pick em. I would take the under four and a half rounds at minus 125. I don't see this one going five rounds. I actually see more of a decision, to be honest. I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think because uh, they they respect each other's striking, I don't think uh, I think Giga five rounds like Giga fatigues in three sometimes, and that's like just a uh, a criticism. I think he gasses as the fight goes on, so I think the smarter move for Barboza was start picking things up three, four, five. Hmm. Yeah, interesting because Barboza has shown that his gas tank. I mean. Think of the fights that he's had against these grueling wrestlers for five rounds that have taken him down, and then he gets up in the fourth or fifth round when it starts on the feet, and he's just throwing whatever he can at them. And, and he, he still, still goes, has energy. Yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah gas takes maybe slightly advantage to Barboza, but you know Giga's uh, been preparing the camp, Cordero, good wrestlers. Yeah, so. this, there's a lot of interesting fights on this card, but uh, I don't have a good read on a lot of them. That's the problem. But uh, we'll get to the card a little bit later on. Let's talk about what happened this past weekend. Jared Cannonier defeats Kelvin Gastelum 48-47 on all three scorecards. Uh, I, th- I think that's probably the way it should have gone. I think that uh, if you're looking at it from the judging criteria, Cannonier was landing the bigger strikes, and he was landing more of them. So uh, I-, I-, I agree with the decision, and uh, but a very close fight, fight nonetheless. And man, Gastelum, they need to they need to take a step back with Gastelum. I feel like uh, I feel like he's not moving down to 170. He almost missed weight for 185 this past week. So I think he's going to stay in the middleweight division, but I'd like to see him fight kind of, uh, you know, some lower end competition, build himself back up a little bit. Like what kind of names would you say for him? Then? Well, I mean, he beat like Ian Heinish recently, these... like that, something along those lines, someone who was kind of on the cusp of the top 15 or maybe the towards the bottom of the top 15. Um, like here, I'll, well, let me pull up the rankings and see uh, UFC rankings. I mean, like a, a, some, something like even like a Luke Rockhold would be interesting to me. I know Rockhold's lined up with Sean Strickland, but Sean Strickland, something along those lines. Edmund Shabazian could be fun. Edmund Shabazian, something along those lines. Bottom, Brad Tavares, Kevin Holland. Uh, those kind of Would you be interested in like a Uriah Hall? Yeah, Uriah Hall's a good one too, although they fought already. They fought in the finale of the Ultimate Fighter season that they were both on. They were mm. teammates, I believe, on the show, and uh, they fought each other in the finale. Kevin Holland, 
could be fun. Yeah, Hollins yeah. would be a fun one. Um, yeah, I don't mind that, but, but he seems rematch, to win I mean, those this, ones, right? This far he down wins the line. those ones. What was that, It's Joe? kind of that thing, though. He wins those fights, right? Yeah. And it's those ones when he goes up. So it's almost like, does he sit as that almost gatekeeper side of things where he's like, he's just not cracking that top, but he's smashing everybody, you know, below? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't really know exactly how, what they're going to do with him. Uh, I'm just looking at the rankings. Are these the updated rankings? No, the updated rankings aren't up yet. I'm e- eager to see where he's at. I'm going to pull up the, the TSN UFC rankings are always, for whatever reason, updated uh, before the official UFC.com rankings. Don't ask oh. me why. But people are always All like, right. TSN has the, I don't know if they just pushed us to us earlier or something, but uh, I just want to see where, if, if Gastelum was affected by this loss in terms of his ranking. So middleweight division, Gastelum still number nine, it looks like, so. Because he's lost, what, about five of his last six? I mean, to top-notch opponents, but still, there are five losses in the last you know, six or seven fights. Yeah, so he, he didn't move down, and uh, Kananir didn't move up. So I guess because it was such a close fight, maybe they just decided to keep them where they are. Now, what's the next move for Kananir? Well, Kananir kind of spelled it out. He said, I'm either fighting for the title or I'm fighting a contender. He says, you know, the, the title's not going to be contested until probably early next year between Israel and Whitaker. So uh, he wants to face anybody that's kind of in that top five, top six mix. Like the the winner of Darren Till versus Brunson makes sense to him. The winner of Vittori Costa, something along those lines. So he wants to stay busy, but he wants to face somebody that makes sense. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, is he get that shot when it's ready? Yeah, probably, right? He's probably seems logical or... Well, let's see what happens with Darren Till and Brunson. Let's see what happens with Vittori Costa. But Vittori and Costa have had their shot already. Uh, Brunson has already fought Israel and lost. Darren Till is somebody that I think is intriguing as a name in this division. So there's a lot going on right now in the middleweight division to determine who that next challenger is. I, I don't really think anybody's really risen to the occasion to to snatch that contender, that next contender role, aside from Whitaker. Yeah, I mean, but Gaslam, I just love to continue watching him fight. I, I just wish he, I mean, pre-lockdown, I was connected with him and his team a little bit. We we're going to try to get him here at Bazooka. And it was just, I, would, I wish I kind of got him for a little bit. I think showing him maybe, like, again, I'm not saying I'm a master over Cordero, but I think a little bit of my low kick timing being a smaller guy could have helped him out. I think he kind of gets really punch heavy where he can kind of use those punches to chip away at calves and stuff like that. So hopefully in the future. Well, Gaslam is a very top-heavy fighter. He doesn't have very big legs. Like, it's just all upper body, it seems like. Like, if you look at yeah. his legs compared to Cannoneer legs, Cannoneer's legs, Cannoneer's legs are like tree trunks compared to Oh, him. yeah, small calves, too. But, I mean, because uh, when I when I seen him in person, I'm just like, I'm so shocked that he's a middleweight because I feel big compared to him, and I look at his legs and, and his shins. But regardless, those are small calves sometimes are worse because the bone is sharper you know like the bone pokes out more than like a big meaty calf so i'd rather be hit with a big meaty calf than one of these sharp shins so yeah he's still just got to kick more in my opinion well you know what they say joe sharp shins get wins i just made that yeah, i like nobody's it. ever said We're, that before no it's a, i like it. i'm gonna make a shirt here at bazooka i like it <laughs> all right you can have Because i then. always reference the shin bone as a sword because there's a flat side of it and there's a sharp part so when i teach a kick I try to explain to people, if you're going to kick, hit with the sharp part of the blade. You know, you don't slap someone if you have a knife with it. You cut people with it. So the shin is the reference of the sword. So, yes. Slapping someone with a knife nice is probably shirt. not an effective use of the Yeah, well, I have a knife then, yeah, right? Exactly. But, yeah, go. if you want to use the shirt, Joe, it's all yours. 
That's it. We, like you've it. heard it here on the uh, podcast. I'm I'm uh, forfeiting my copyright claim for uh, Sharp Shins <laughs> gets wins to Bazooka Joe Valzellini, who can use there it. There you go. It's on. For it's whatever on. he'd like. Yeah. Uh, the coming event, Mark Madsen versus Clay Guida. I was having a bit of an issue at, I'll be very transparent here. I was having a bit of an issue with my air conditioner at home. Uh, so I was trying to repair it during this fight. So I didn't get to watch it uh, really as closely as I would have liked to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I just watched that fight more for the, just how much I enjoy Clay Guida and the years he's been there. But, uh, I know there was a lot of complaints. Uh, people thought, uh, Clay Guida won, but that's like a fight that I have to rewatch to, to really make a decision. But I think Guida showed he can still hang. Mark Madsen was, you know, undefeated still and doing his thing. So I think the logical guy makes sense to win, but I think Clay's still hanging in there. Uh, Parker Porter defeats Chase Sherman. That was a uh, Parker Porter just has a crazy motor for a guy that big. He just looks like yeah. a, he looks like a cop. He's just got like this. <laughs> he's got that big mustache. He's a big wide guy. Doesn't look like he's big in the best legs. shape. But man, that guy's got a gas tank, and uh, that, that's how I thought this fight was gonna go. I actually I had a. Uh, uh, one of my TSN Edge bonus picks was Parker Porter round three, and it was I had two round three props that were so close to coming through, but neither unfortunately came through. That was that one in the Austin Lingo fight. Austin Lingo was fighting Luis Saldana, who like broke his foot in the first round and looked like he was really slowing down and gassing in the third. And I was like, ah, and it almost happened, but it didn't happen unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just thought a lot of these even undercard fights there were some big knockouts. It yeah. was it was a fun well, like. That- that Ignacio Bahamondes wheel kick is probably the knockout of the year so far. Oh, yeah. My, one of my favorites. That was easily, like, as soon as it happened, right on my phone, sent to all my fighters. Because we've actually been discussing, like, I'm surprised. Like, one of my fighters we're, we're going to put in karate combat. He's uh, fantastic with spin kicks, round kicks. Like, he's a taekwondo background. We always said, we can't believe there's not more knockouts with it. And so, like... Just seeing it just made it feel nice that, you know, people are still living to the craft of kicking. Did you tell them to look it's, at the uh, the time on the clock that he threw it as well? Five no, seconds what, left in the fight? <laughs> that was it. But he set it up, if you know. A lot of them came to the body early on in the fight. So, I mean, it was like something that was set up for a while. I really like it. I thought he fought well against uh, John McDessie, too, in his, his other fight. Just... What concerns me is the amount he gets hit. You know, that's mm. something he's going to have to tighten up a little bit. But hey, the kid's fun. He's exciting. And uh, a finish like that will be probably shown uh, for the rest of his life. That's for sure. I interviewed him last week. And I've got to say, I love this kid. He's just such a nice guy. He's like, he's huge for the division. I, I just, I, I look forward to watching him fight. And I knew that we would see a highlight reel finish from him at some point in his career. I didn't know if it would be this early, but I loved watching him on Contender Series last year. Uh, I thought he'd beat Mac Desi. He didn't, obviously. Uh, but in this fight, he was one of my TSN edge picks, actually, as an underdog against Roosevelt Roberts. And uh, I, I just have, I just think this kid has such a bright future. He's got so, such dynamic striking, great size for the division. Like you said, he's got a lot of holes that he needs to shore up over time. But again, at age 23, I think he's going to be able yeah. to do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I like fights. Like, this was a yeah. fun fight, and the Mac Desi fight was a fun fight. Yeah, I agree, and he's almost got like, I wouldn't say it's an exact kind of thing, but he's got a lot of good hype with him, good excitement. Um, I don't know, I just, these are one of the kids that I like to, and I will keep an, a close eye on for sure. And we got uh, Thick Willie, William Knight, Thick with two C's. That mm-hmm. guy's a big dude, he's built like a tank, knocks out That's Fabio Charant in the first round, uh, and then does some acrobatics after. To, to see a guy that size do what he could do is like... 
guy's a specimen. And oh, yeah. Him... <laughs> Sorry, go. And Tyson Chartier says that this guy just goes into the gym and lifts 225 pounds, like 50 reps, like it's nothing. Yeah, I saw 46 reps with 225. <laughs> and it's funny. We actually met at a uh, – before he got signed to the UFC. I, I do uh, a coach's clinic at the CSA gym in California. So a lot of the coaches come down. So I actually uh, teach there a couple times. And he was there, and I, I saw him outside. And this was before he even got signed to the Contender Series. Um, he, I was telling him, I was like, oh, he's like, hey, Joe, I'm a big fan. We started talking. We took a picture together. I'm like, hey, man, what are you, like a middleweight? And he's like, he looks at me. He's like, like almost like insulted. And we laughed. He's like, no, man. I was like, I'm like you don't look that big because I saw him with street clothes and everything. And then like we went inside after in the change room. He came in and we we're just talking. Then he kind of whispered to me that he was going on to the Contender Series. But I thought he was a middleweight. So now when I look at him in the ring, how big he is, how strong, I was like, I can't believe I thought that. I was like, I was way off with William. Way off. Well, how tall is he? He's 5'10", so he's like two inches taller than me. He's probably an inch taller than Gastelum, basically. So, and, and Gastelum surprises you that he's a middleweight. And William Knight, is, but the guy's just built like a, he's built like a house. Yeah, I mean, and it's, that power showed. That little straight arm, little smack. Yeah, little left what hook. What was it? I don't even know. It, it was almost, almost like a, I don't even know if it's like, a left hook. Yeah, I don't, it was like a, it was a counter. A left hook? I think it was it a left was hook a counter. counter. I think you would call it a left hook, but it, but it looked was like so his short. arm was, was completely like straight, like yeah. a clubbing, mm-hmm. like a left club, counter club hand. Yeah, I mean, the guy's just got, like, he's just a specimen. I, there's no, no other way to put it. I mean, the, and then to see him do those flips afterwards, like, just an unbelievable. He, unbelievable he lost athlete. his previous fight, though, but he fought he a very experienced fighter, I believe. Who did he lose to last time? I'm trying to remember. Um, oh, it was he, an he experience. Lost to da, da Jung, Da Jung, who was getting getting better and better. Good, talented fighter in the light heavyweight division. So, so I think he, Knight's really really young still in his career, and I think the the more we see him, I just it's going to continually get better. I still think he's really fresh as a martial artist. Like yeah, he's still he, he really started raw. late. He's in his like mid 30s, but he started late. He's one of these guys that uh, kind of. Cannoneer is similar too. Cannoneer is 37. You wouldn't guess that by looking at him, but I mean, yeah, he yeah. Got, uh, kind of started his career a little bit late. Uh, and speaking of knockouts, Josiane Nunez, she's like giving up eight or nine inches in height to uh, Bea Malecki and gets that, that pretty vicious knockout at the end of the first round. Oh, yeah, her head movement, her like, she's, she reminds me of another one of those Brazilian girls who's got like this awkward style, but the way she moves her head and cracks, I was like, whoa. I was impressed, like very, very well done. I mean, I thought uh, uh, Maleki there was going to do fantastic. She's long, more experience, but uh, yeah, I'm very impressed with uh, the Brazilian. Yeah, I liked Maleki in that fight too, and uh, that didn't come through. But uh, yeah, Josiane Nunes, it's, she's almost like it's almost like flashbacks to when Jessica Andrade was fighting at bantamweight back back in the day against these bigger opponents. Yeah, I'm just trying to think which who she's reminding of, and this girl's really. Uh, Getting higher up in the rankings too. Uh, it's all right. Marina Rodriguez. Uh, maybe is. It? Well, Marina's pretty long. She's not no, like... no, no. I'm just looking like look wise and style, like frame. I can't think of it. Okay, well, it's all right. If it comes I'll find it on, eventually. Let me know. Um, Brian Kelleher, pretty, uh, pretty dominant win over Domingo Pilarte. Uh, Austin Lingo, as I mentioned, the win over Luis Saldana. Lost that first round. Uh, Saldana looked like he might have broken his or fractured his foot or something along those lines. Uh, probably not fractured, but broke broke his foot or something. Maybe even sprained it uh, in that first round. Uh, Lingo checked the kick with his elbow, and uh, seemed like that's what did the damage. But uh, he was able to run away with it in the second and third rounds. Pantoja versus Brandon Royval. That was a yeah. fight. 
Yeah. Did that get performance of the night, I hope? Fight uh, of the night? I, I think it got fight of the night. That got, deserved some money. So, so four for guys sure. got performance of the night. Pantoja, Josian Nunez, uh, William Knight, and Bahamondes all got performance of the night. So n- there was no fight of the night. But uh, yeah, Pantoja's performance was fantastic. He just seemed to have an answer for everything Roy Val threw at him. But uh, Pantoja yeah, should be it, next in line for the title, and that's a fight that I think is going to be really exciting, given that Pantoja's beaten Moreno twice. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I was surprised when I heard that uh, leading up to preparing for the show. I mean, Pantoja's a beast. I just like that Roy Val, they, they can put him with anyone, and he's going to one scrap. He's always in a fight. I like I like Roy Val, too. I think uh, we'll see him develop as, as he gets uh, more fights as well. Yeah, Very I just nice. didn't think that was a great matchup for him, but yeah, he's... Uh... Ravel's good at he's he's slippery, <laughs> you know he's yeah. he's not oh, an yeah. easy guy to get into a rear naked choke like that. But Pantoja's Pantoja's submission game has almost been like when he came into the UFC and was on the Ultimate Fighter, everybody talked about how great he was at submissions, and then his striking kind of caught up to his submissions, and he became more of a you know a fearsome striker over time. So it's it's just interesting to see how he's developed that way. Uh, Vince Pichel, uh defeats Austin Hubbard, thirty twenty seven on all scorecards. Uh, Pichel is. Uh, he just seems to find ways to win fights, even in his late age. So good on him. He seems to fight once a year. Maybe he'll be a little bit more active late in his career. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, is, he a, is he a mini um, Dan? Uh, who, who am I? Well, come on. Uh, I'm losing my mind. He looks like a – he was on Rogan recently. Come on, old legend. Oh, uh, Dan Severn? Dan, not Dan Severn. Oh, uh, Don Fry. Don Fry. It's yeah. a, every time I see him, it's Don Fry, a small Don Fry. He looks like a small Timothy Johnson. You know that guy in Bellator, that big heavyweight. Yeah, yes, yeah, the Johnson. heavyweight guy. Yeah, yeah. but he, they got the they got that stash. Yeah, the big the trademark stash. Yeah. So uh, he gets the uh, unanimous win. Uh, Side Jokub Kachramanov defeats uh, Trevin Jones. Apparently, Kachramanov was in Uzbekistan. I was cutting weight on the plane, but unfortunately, missed weight. It was still a short notice assignment for him. But uh, he days. ends up getting a sub. I've heard four days' notice. Yeah, four days' notice, and he had to fly in from Uzbekistan. But Trevin Jones made a, a good post after the fact. Trevin Jones has been so – he's supposed to been, have been fighting like – I think he had three different opponents in the last month. And uh, he, there was even a situation where like uh, Kyung Ho Kong's opponent fell off, and he wanted to fight Kong, but that fell through. So he's just been so hungry to fight. He's been you know, basically like frothing at the mouth to get an opponent and finally get in there. And by the time he actually got in there – he said he was just stale. He said, like, all of that anticipation eventually just caught up with him. And uh, yeah. he just said he just couldn't perform. It's, it's just interesting to see somebody be so uh, transparent about their performance like that. Yeah, I mean, I think we're more people are comfortable speaking about it. So we're good. Yeah. I'm trying uh, to see what other fights stood out to me. but Did, did you watch the PFL as well? Kayla Harrison, the pretty dominant Yeah, I, wa- I, I watched it uh, just for the Kayla Harrison fight because I know Jenna Fabian. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I connected with that. I mean, kind of what I expected. But, uh, yeah, I think Jenna's just uh, more of a striker. She's just got a lot of work to do grappling. And if she fights anybody else other than, you know, Kayla Harrison, she's going to do great. And I think that's uh, – I think it's almost time for Kayla to start thinking about that move. She already has. I mean, she basically said, unless the PFL cha- pays me, like, life-changing money – she's going to be elsewhere. When I spoke to her last week, I said, in a year from now, what division do you see? Like, what weight class do you see yourself fighting in? She says, I'll probably be at 145 pounds, which basically is her saying that she's going to the UFC or going to Bellator. I, I actually think that Bellator is the more likely landing spot for her because they actually have a 145 division. 
and the fact that Nunez is her training partner, I don't know. Like it's she wants to be and considered like, the greatest combat athlete of all time. So if she's going to be considered Cyborg, the greatest combat, right? Yeah. Like what do you yeah. have to do to become the greatest combat bad athlete of all time? You need to beat Cyborg, and you probably need to beat Nunez, <laughs> even yeah. though she has gold medals in the Olympics and is like destroying everybody in in uh, the PFL, not losing rounds, outstriking her opponent like six to one. You know, I, I just don't know what, what else she can do to get there. I, and I don't even know if right now, and I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this uh, to be disrespectful, but to be the greatest combat athlete of all time in, a, in female martial arts where the, the pool of talent isn't as, uh, you know, as, as good as the men's pool of talent right now because there aren't as many weight classes, it's, it's difficult to get that designation. So we'll have to see. Yeah, yeah no, I agree. But I'm just worried if... Bellator is her first choice over the UFC now. Does that kind of tarnish her to kind of go back, you know, after, you know? That, that's my main thing. I want to see her in the UFC. I think it's a, a better move, more matchups. Well, so if she has to miss there's, that. There's three fighters at 145 pounds in the UFC. Yeah, but like, I mean, with Bellator 1, she's not going to get that really big name status. I think it has to be in the UFC for her to get that status she wants. Yeah, well, That's I like reality, answer. but Dana White recently said, like, uh, probably a couple months ago, I, I don't know if she's ready for the UFC. And somebody asked Kayla Harrison about that, and she kind of laughed and was like, if Dana White wants to make a lot of money with me, tell him to give me a call. Yeah, That's, it's my game. Dana's language. the best at it. Yeah. Come on, Dana's playing the game better than anybody else. But her response was pretty good, though, too. Yeah, she's, she's when you confident mentioned money, on the now mic. you're speaking his language. Yeah, she's, she's good on the mic. She's confident. She's, like, uh, almost got that wrestling vibe to her. Like, it's uh, it was good. Even the way the commentators played off on, like, her, uh, you know, her presence. It was fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, nothing else really of major note other than uh, in the tournament, Larissa Pacheco had weight-cutting complications and uh, is out of the tournament. So that was probably the biggest test Available for Kayla Harrison, who's going to be facing uh, Taylor Guardado next uh, in the final. So, and uh, I expect that she'll be probably a minus three thousand favorite in that fight, and so, a million dollars richer. And, yeah, and a million dollars richer <laughs> for the third time. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, or is it, is it the second time? Has there been two? Has she won two tournaments or one tournament? I think she's just won one tournament, so she'll be a million dollars richer again. Uh, and I think she's probably making, if I had to guess, at least one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a fight, but. Again, that's just a guess. Now they take. Do they take out that purse from the million dollars? I've always wondered that. I've always wondered, like, do you get a million dollars on top of what you've already made in the tournament, or do, do they top? Do they top you up to get to it? Yeah, million? yeah. I don't know. That's. I'm curious too. Well, maybe I'll I'll find out. I'll call somebody in the PFL and see if they'll disclose that information. Yeah. Um, there you anything go. else that that we missed from uh, this past week? I know that uh, I guess Gegard Mousasi retained his middleweight title. Um, oh, there was that great fight between, uh, was that Ralphie on Stott's fight? No, that was last week. Sorry, that was the week before. That was a great fight. Um, some other news we uh, found out yesterday that uh, Alistair Overin has his first fight in glory. Boom, your, boom. Your, your backyard. And uh, yep. it's a big one. He'll be facing, uh, on, uh, on my daughter's third birthday, he'll be facing Rico Verhoeven for the glory yep. heavyweight championship. Yep, October 23rd, we got the big soccer stadium. This was the soccer stadium we put uh, Rico and Botter in. So we're anticipating, you know, anywhere from up to like 27 to 30,000 people. 
You know, this is you're talking two mega superstars in Holland over him coming back to kickboxing like this is this is massive stuff. And I think this is going to be the fight that I think the big uh, American audience could come in, follow and watch over him. And they're going to see some really good kickboxing. And we've stacked the card like every fight on this. We have like I think three world title fights on the card. All of our top contenders are fighting. So we put everything into this card and it's fantastic. Absolutely. This is an exciting fight, an exciting time for Glory because I think they've, I mean, they've brought in Bigfoot Silva and things like that, but I think that bringing in a guy with the name value of Overeem is going to do wonders for Glory, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to watching that one. I think that's uh, exciting. I, I did realize, though, unfortunately, that uh, the, the next Glory card, next, uh, not this Saturday, but the following Saturday, is actually probably going head-to-head with the UFC because that's an afternoon UFC card. Oh, it's uh yeah, we're September fourth. Yeah, so and are it's they. gonna be Botter against uh Arcadus Vasoshik. Try to say that. Arcadus yeah, Vasoshik. You gotta get ready yeah. to talk about the arch it. the Archduke of Vasokic. That's it. There you go. I thought that wasn't bad. Yeah. There you go. Just think of the Archduke. Yeah, it was funny too, because even Botter in the press conference, Botter was like, you know this guy? And he's like, he froze and he's like I'm sorry, man. I can't say your name. What, what's your name? Like, even Botter had to ask him. He was like, it's just too hard. I can't do it. Yeah. So I hope, uh, you know, Arkadus, you know, takes that to heart and makes is this a Botter new opponent? remember his Did name. Did his other opponent fall off? Or was this always the opponent? Uh, no, this always was the opponent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He His last fight, I mean, he he got humbled by uh, Benjamin Attic Boy. So after that, he's kind of like, listen, I got to win. I got to put on a good performance. He's changed camps. He's changed team. He found uh, a new love with the new team and coach. So I think we see a new botter and uh, a botter that we'll see active. You got to think Al- Alistair and botter have fought twice in the past. So I think this is uh, this is setting up to be a good year of some mega fights. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching that fight as I always am looking forward to watching Glory. I'll be having Glory on my second screen while I'm watching the Yeah, UFC. and me, they're live. This, that's oh, are you most... going to Netherlands for September Yeah, there I'm leaving go. on Tuesday. So, I mean, this is unbelievable for me to go and, uh, yeah, be there live and be part of the action. This one here is not going to have full capacity. I think we're only at 7,000, but still, to be in arena, to see. To me, it's like what I was trying to explain to someone. I was like, I have not been in front of a live kickboxing. I haven't seen live kickboxing in almost two years because the last two cards I called from a a studio in New Jersey. Jersey, So, I'm going to be watching a live for like the it feels like the first time and it's i think i'm just going to be like a kid again seeing the sport for the first time so i think you're going to see a little bit extra excitement from me a little bit of like ah, like jumpiness when i hear shots like i'm pumped i'm well, really I mean, I excited can't, i can't imagine how my life going to be if you're going to be like that but he's been he's been calling boxing right so yeah. he's been a fight he's been hearing things so i've totally Canada's been locked down. I've, I've barely seen any hard sparring. And now all of a sudden I get to see some heavyweights live, like botter smack, kick someone and hit someone full power. It's, it's definitely I'm a kid in a candy store again. Well, that's exciting. And uh, you, you got your PCR test booked, I hope? Uh, yeah, I guess I got to go Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Sunday, because I leave Tuesday. Yeah, I got to do all that also Swap before in I the go nose. to 266. I got the whole list, the whole checklist of things that need to get done before. And I when think. is when's that? What date's that? is uh, September the 25th, I believe. Okay, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, Heck so yeah. That's going to be my first uh, my first foray back out into the road, hopefully. I mean, we we got to see what these numbers are like. Let's Everybody keep cool out there. Let's not spread this thing. Let's, let's let yeah. Aaron get on a plane and, uh, and have some fun. Wait a couple months, guys. Christmas <laughs> going nuts. Let me get on these glory flights. 
All right, so what, what, what else do we got uh, in the world of mixed martial arts before we uh, go to this UFC card and break it down? We, we do have a PFL card coming up uh, this coming weekend. I believe it's the light heavyweights and the featherweights. Uh, some exciting fights on that card. You've got Brandon Lofnane taking on uh, Movlid Khaibolaev. You've got uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. against Emiliano Sordi, who I believe was last year's winner, if I recall correctly. Uh, Martin, ha- Martin Hamlet taking on Cesar Farheja. That's not part of the tournament. That's just uh, an undercard fight. Uh, Chris Wade and Bubba Jenkins, the other featherweight fight. So a lot of good talent on, uh, on this particular card. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I mean, I don't know if I know you're going to mention it right at the end of the show, but uh, Tyron Woodley, Paul. Oh, that's this weekend, isn't it? That's I this weekend. Even, I didn't even have that on my list, but we should, oh, okay. I guess we should Surprise. talk about it. I don't know. Well, I uh, I'm interested in it. I think uh, I think this is huge. I think almost Tyron's the guy that we're putting MMA behind almost here. I think he seems motivated. I listened to him on Helwani. He's taking it serious. So I'm I'm in, I'm intrigued by it. To be honest with you, I'm really intrigued. I'm more excited about that fight probably than the UFC card. Yeah, you know I uh, I uh, was on with. Did you hear me on Morning Combat last week with Brian Campbell? I did not, unfortunately. I watch every week, probably, but that's the one week. It's been crazy here at Bazooka, I'm telling you. Well, I don't he, have a life anymore. He brought up Jake Paul and, and Woodley, and I said, like, don't you hate talking about this? Like, you've been covering boxing for so long. You, you're a boxing enthusiast. Like, doesn't it break your heart a little bit that we that there are all these high-level boxing matches every year, and, like, they get completely glossed over, but we talk about this kind of thing like it's a big deal? And you could, like, pinpoint the moment that his heart broken, too, when I mentioned that to him. He, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is tell this Luke Thomas people, as well, or no? Sorry? Was this Luke Thomas? No, this was uh, this was Brian Campbell. Luke Luke Brian was Campbell? off last week. Okay. So I was uh, I was covering for Luke. Uh, and they're Showtime guys Campbell. too, right? They're probably it's be a there doing fight. They're interviews. going down. Yeah, they're going to be yeah. in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's an exciting fight. I don't know. I'm into it. I'm actually pretty excited to see Ariel Hawani do the in-fight interviews too. I think he's such he's a good doing journalist. Color commentary like, too. Yeah, for me as a commentator, like I study certain people. Like a lot of times, like I watch Ariel Hawani's show, like to one prepare for this show, but I also listen to the way he asks questions, right? Because for me, when I do interviews for Glory, I want to be better, a better interviewer. So I'm really interested to see how he approaches that, being probably one of the best interviewers in MMA. You know, we got Ariel and you know Aaron Bronstead are the top two, and then we go down from there, right? Well, I appreciate that, but uh, I I, uh, I take interviewing very seriously. I know Ariel does as well. He's uh, he's somebody that I have, I have a lot to do a lot to catch up to. <laughs> Let's just yeah, put it yeah, that no, way. He's sure. really good, yeah. and he's yeah. uh, he's really made it into an art and has uh, has his own style of doing it that I think is very good. So yeah, that's uh, I am why his in ring is going to be, I think, very good. Yeah, I'm really I, you know, excited I think, for I it. I think Kellerman does great in ring also. Uh, he's a little bit adversarial, which I don't necessarily like, but there are, there are people that are very good at in-ring and people that aren't great at in-ring. I find yeah. that the way that the UFC does it is kind of vanilla, to be honest, a lot of the time. Uh, the in, I find the in-ring kind of generic uh, yeah. afterwards. I wish that there was a little bit more storytelling involved, but hey, you know, the, the last thing these guys want to do after they fight is like talk to anybody. They just want All right. to... I'm going to break this down because it's a little pet peeve of mine. Why they are bad, one... It's fighters don't have a little bit of a plan when they go into it. It's a lot of times the fighter themselves have to take control of the moment. It really, yes, the commentator can try, but it comes down to the fighter at the end of the day. Like if they're not going to give you the answers, if you're fishing for things like the best guys, Israel Adesanya's post-fight interview is going to be great. 
I know that already before he fights because he takes control of the interview. So I think it's the individual athlete themselves that got to step up there a little bit more. But also, all three questions happen in the same order. How did you feel about the fight? Did it go as expected? And what do you want next? And walk so me through I, the finish. Yeah. And yeah, so I think Helwani is that guy that will be able to break those up. So that's where the the intrigue comes. The who do you want next question annoys me because fighters don't care. They don't think about it. They like they, they're so. But they focused. should be. They should but be. That, but that's listen, what bothers they're, they're me. They're so should, laser they focused should. on who they're fighting that night that it's I I I hate. Listen, if if I'm a fighter and someone's saying who do you want to fight next, it's like I just want to go home and chill. Like listen, like the amount of work that goes into these fights, and I agree with you, it's good for like their own promotion and their own brand to have somebody that they have on the on the tip of their tongue. It's good to think ahead. But it's also hard. Like it's, it must be difficult to like if you get even a little bit distracted from the task at hand. It, it's, it's amazing how just that one mental lapse can cost you in this sport, and and it can cost you with dire consequences. Yeah. Well, I just think the opportunity is so big at that moment. At least put it out there. You don't have to say I want to fight. Just say, hey, these are the guys I want to fight next. I think every fighter should have an answer. You should have a path that you want to take. So. I think guys need to step it up a little bit. And Glory did it for a little bit at one point, but I think media training for guys is important. I think these guys need to really get on this mic and and start doing things. And that's where I think if they would train with those things a little bit more, because the problem with kickboxing is we, we have so many different languages, so they're not confident in English. So right away, I'm not getting the best interview. And then if I have to deal with a translator, it slows the conversation. So there's a lot of... There's a lot of things behind it, and it's more difficult than people think. It's hard. You want to know what I've learned recently about fighters? So few of them have any clue how the judging criteria works. Like I, I, I took an online course on the judging criteria, and it shocks me. Like I was talking to certain fighters in the last week, and I, I, I was just out of curiosity asking them, I go, how, how familiar are you with the, the scoring criteria? And they, they don't really know it. They don't really no. know what they're – like how can you go into this as your profession and you do all this training and you put so much work into this – there are ways that you can crack this code. Like the, the scoring criteria can be easily taken advantage of if you, if, if you know what you're doing and you, you think about it from a scoring criteria standpoint. And I know it's hard to do in the moment, but you could really win fights based on how you react to certain circumstances in the cage. Yeah, no, I get it, but I, I'm guilty of that. I don't think I knew any of Glory's rules when I fought. Literally, I just don't go in a clinch. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to hit more. If you knock someone out, there's no judges. And I think everyone goes <laughs> into it mindset, that right? way, right? That's the mindset. Or if I hit you more and harder, I'm going to win, right? So I think you see guys do it. And I mean, it's the game. I call the game of MMA. Hey, let's strike for four minutes and 30 seconds. And then the last 30 seconds do a takedown. I hate that. To me, that's kind of like... It's trying to steal around but in like a cheese way. But takedowns are virtually meaningless in fights. That's the thing. And if you're a good but judge, but everybody values it. But if you're a good right? judge, you won't, because a late takedown doesn't matter. It, like in, in terms of the scoring criteria, unless everything, all things are even. If if the striking is 15 to 15, and every single strike had the exact same power, that's the only time where taking someone down should have any impact on how a judge scores a fight. But I find it does way too often. One takedown in a round that does nothing. Give, sometimes these uneducated judges are giving those rounds to those guys, that one little takedown. But if I was a, if I was a coach and, I, and I, I was coaching someone and said, you know, and, and I said, if somebody, I would say, if somebody takes you down in the last 30 seconds, elbow them in the head repeatedly. Just 
put out Start offensive out output yeah. off your back yeah. because they're not going to have that much of an opportunity to sub you in 30 seconds. Like, unless, you, unless you're against a real, like, a Demian Maya, like, a guy that you know is going to be fishing for subs, if it's a wrestling-based fighter that just wants to take you down to score points, you can score the points off your back. Throw elbows. Throw, you know, you can throw uh, 12 to 6 elbows off your back. They're not 12 to 6 elbows. They're 3 to 9 elbows. A lot of fighters don't know that, don't know that either. Because yeah. the 12-6 elbow is up to down. If you're going side to side, that's a legal elbow. And a lot of yeah. fighters don't know that either because they think it's a 12-6 elbow. Yeah, yeah, and, and a lot of the guys talk who about does this. that, though, I hate those elbows, but Anderson Silva was really good at them, right? He used to posture they up score. And it. They score yeah. on the judges. Like, if you're taken down in that last minute, last 30 seconds, throw those elbows because you're going to score the points. If there's a judge that's worth their salt cage side, they will know that you are the one that's scoring points in that situation, not the person that's on top doing nothing. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I definitely think they need to do that. I think what a lot of fighters do, though, is they know it's the end of the round. It's like, let me just get an extra 30 seconds going into this next round, and then I'll be a little bit more cautious now. But you're right. I think guys should start elbowing more from their backs like that, and it's annoying. Guys don't want to be hit. But I still think that single takedown scores way too much in MMA. I, I don't think leg kicks are scored enough in MMA. So there's, I think those are the two things that probably frustrate me the most, those two things. That I would agree with. Leg kicks are not scored. Um, they, they're not given as much credit as they should be um, as effective striking, so to speak. Um, and they should be given more credence, especially if they're effective kicking. Like if, they, if they're kicks that – but here's the thing. A lot of the judges – a lot of – like us watching at home – there are things that we won't notice on TV that a judge will notice in person, sitting cage side. They've got laser focus on what's going on. They're not distracted by a phone or Twitter or, you know, my kids are running around upstairs. Like, they have zero distractions. They're just looking at what's happening in the fight, if they're a good judge, if they're, they're able to block out the, the crowd and all that stuff. They might notice, like, a fighter wince or where the point of contact is, things that you don't necessarily see on the broadcast. So it's, it, these are things to worth, that are worth thinking about. But uh, I was just surprised at how few people knew how the judging criteria worked. Oh, yeah. I, I would say most don't. <laughs> I mean, like you when you never would. I don't know. Like, I don't know anyone who's ever read the rules outside of the only time I read it when I became a commentator. I was like, yeah, I think I should start knowing the rules better because my opinion is being asked on who I think won the fight. So yeah. now I had to kind of uh, educate myself. But before, never. Well, listen, I would never be the type of person that would give a fighter any sort of strategy or any sort of points. But like in terms of what to do or like how to, how to throw strikes or anything, like anything technical. But if you know somebody who knows the judging criteria, sit down with them for like 30 minutes and just have them walk you through it. That's all it takes is about 20 to 30 minutes you can walk someone through the judging criteria. Because yeah. I, I don't think a lot of people know what effective grappling is. Like it's just, I've had it spelled out to me because I took the online course, but I don't think people understand what effective grappling means. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, I 100%. And you know what? I guarantee you every referee and judge that I have come through, and I've, it's so many through the years, they want to educate you. 100%. They love their job. They love their craft. So if I had Corey Schaefer, here's my personal number. I would call Corey Schaefer, who's the head of the ISK, like huge. He would call, and I would be like, oh man, I shouldn't have called him this time. Two hours, he's telling me he went through the whole like he just. They love sharing that. That's their passion. It's their craft. So it's just nice to ask these guys sometime. It's not like they're giving away secrets. It's what they want to do. Is you know, keep educating people on the rules of the sport. But so you know, ask. But you know what they hate? They hate the fact that they are in the chair, and if if people think that they have a bad scorecard, which isn't a bad scorecard, but the people that say it's a bad scorecard don't know how the scoring criteria works. 
Because if somebody's taking someone down for three minutes of a round and the judge gives it to the other person because the other person's landing elbows from bottom and that's how you should score the fight, people are like, oh, that guy had top control for four minutes. That's a terrible scorecard. It drives judges crazy because they're, they never get a pat on the back for doing a great job at judging. You know, yeah. like if you look at the Gastelum and Cannoneer scorecards, they were all 100% aligned. Every single yep. judge had, them score, had the round scored exactly the same. And that's the way it should be. But people will say, oh, that's a bad scorecard, but they don't understand what they're looking at in terms of, yeah. this, in terms of how oh, fights yeah. are scored. And then, and then if, you point it out to them, everything. if you point it out to them, they're like, well, I think that it should be scored this way. It's like, no, no, it's, it's, it's on paper how it should be scored. Yeah, you don't, yeah, but a lot of it is like, how effective was that strike? You know, like to me, I would be like, well, it didn't pop his head, but you're like, well, the jab landed. It was pretty effective. I think that's where the differences happen. You know, like a low kick is like, a hard jab versus a hard low kick. To me, they score the same, but maybe to someone that low kick didn't do damage, but it did do damage, you know? So I think that's where damage is a thing. I honestly like the Glory style. Like, Glory is really about damage. If you can create the most damage, that you win. MMA. That's all yeah. MMA is about is damage. Damage, yeah. Number one thing is damage, simple. Knock them down, do damage. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And I, that's really I'm someone who, that's, like, that's what it comes down to. I'm a pressure guy, so even me being a judge, I would tend to give the advantage to a pressure fighter. That's just my own built-in nature, and everybody has them. I value pressure fighting. I think if you're countering and waiting too long, you don't want to win enough. So if it's a close fight, I tend to give it to the pressure fighter because at least he's trying to win you know, at some point. Or if you're going to counter, at least counter and combo, do something. But if you're only countering and moving backwards, I don't give you the round all the time. So, I mean, I think personal preference, like even something like, oh, I like Aaron's hair better than the other guy. I'm, I, and then maybe oh, you, you are now thinking and looking at that one person more. So that person lands more like, oh, like there's some the, – the way the brain works, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, uh, why don't we uh, move on to well, – well, you mentioned Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley. What, what, are we, what are we talking about here? What do you want to talk about with that? Is, is there anything that, that, uh, is, is a, that you're looking out for in this one? Like, do you, and do you have a pick? Like, let me pull up the odds here. Yeah, you're going to be surprised. Well, I was surprised who the favorite is. I think Jake Paul's the favorite, is he not? Yeah. So let's, uh, let's take a look here. So we've got the 29th. So Tommy Fury's a minus sixteen hundred favorite. Wow, against uh, yeah, they're all Anthony huge Taylor. favorites outside well, of Jake Paul's uh, a really main. big favorite. Wow, I am surprised. He's a minus one ninety favorite. I would yeah. have to take Woodley at that price. Yeah, it's like, insane. What were the Astronauts? Is he a, is he a bigger favorite against? I can't he, remember that. Yeah, but... he's a bigger favorite against Woodley than he is against than he was against uh, Askren at closing. Yeah. I personally don't know who's going to win, and that's why I'm intrigued. But. I don't know. That's what excites me about it. I don't know. I really don't know. I have no answer on how good Jake Paul is. I don't know how Woodley is just boxing. I think that's why I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm into looking, it. I'm looking at one sports book here. Woodley to win is plus 160. Woodley to win by knockout is plus 138. Can someone explain that to me? No. <laughs> no I can't. <laughs> Why, why, why even take the props? Just take them straight up. It's you get better value. But uh, there you go. Yeah, I, I mean, I would have to take Tyron Woodley to win at that price. Yeah. yeah, it's tough. It's a, it's a tough. Like just even outside the betting odds, I think it's just, do you really know? You know, like, do you really know? We don't know. I don't think we know. 
Well, I want to see how Anthony Taylor does against Tommy Fury. Tommy Fury is a minus 1,600 favorite. Taylor plus 880. Taylor, he, he's won five fights in a row in MMA. Um, trains with, he's actually training with Jake Paul, but also trains with uh, Antonio and AJ McKee. Uh, trains with Rampage Jackson. So he's training with like some, some good names in combat sports. Uh, I yeah. want to see how he does. Because Tommy Fury hasn't really fought anybody with a No, a I don't even think this record. opponent is a, a big test for him either. And it's funny, though. I have a guilty pleasure, and I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, but uh, I got into watching those stupid Love Island shows okay. where they – And Tommy, and Tommy Fury was in one, yeah. yeah. I don't know why I'm into them. I'm 36 years old. I shouldn't be watching Love Island religiously, but I do. And that's why I think uh, – yeah, I'm excited to watch Tommy Fury, Love Island. Is, is Wife Swap still on? I love that. I used to love that show. Which one? Wife Swap. Is that show still on TV? No, I didn't know that one. No. It was a reality. No. They basically take, like, somebody from, like, rural America and, like, move them to, like, Beverly Hills. Like, this this farmer from Kentucky is moving into this, uh, oh. you know, luxury bag magnate's house, and they're going to be <laughs> swapping wives for the that was your fa- That was the one you're into? Yeah. That seems I, interesting. I like the, uh, the anthropological look at... Uh, or sociological look at the, at how that the dynamics of of taking people from two different backgrounds and just putting them in, in each Swapping. other's lives. That's interesting. Yeah, I'd be into it. That yeah, was uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, all right, what else? Uh, what else have we got? So yeah, Jake Paul minus one ninety. Wow. Uh, yeah, I would I would have to take Tyron Woodley there, but I also liked Askren to win the last fight. So yeah, yeah I, I'm probably not the I right person know. to ask. I'm not I'm not giving a prediction because I legit do not know. Anderson Silva is a minus 1,000 favorite over Tito Ortiz in their boxing match in a couple weeks. Yeah, I can see that. Anderson looking good. Tito, we don't know. Minus 215 against Vitor Belfort. De La Hoya, I saw him on pads. He looked good. De La Hoya can still crack. I saw him on the pads. I was impressed. I'd have to rethink my call out on him. Probably, yeah. When you see some of these old guys, I I was calling. I, I was funny because I was calling him out for fun amongst people and friends. I think I even said it on here. But uh, after seeing him on pads, I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that anymore. He looked good. He looked like he was cracking pretty good. But if it was kickboxing, did you take that fight? I'm sure. In about less than one <laughs> second. Uh, Joe, would you? Yep. That's all it would be. Yep. I was on. I was on. I mentioned you on Morning Combat actually because uh, Brian Campbell said. Um, you know, I did a show with Rashad Evans, and he would love to box Jake Paul. And I said, well, I do a show with Bazooka Joe Valtellini, and yeah. he'd also love, love to box Jake Paul. So I don't think That's there's funny. a shortage of people that want to box Jake Paul. Oh, yeah. No, even uh, I even post on uh, – I started putting some of my pad work on TikTok. And uh, people – every comment seems to be, fight Jake Paul. Everybody wants me to fight Jake Paul. I was like, hey, I'm down. I'll be that guy to represent. Because realistically – the better move to show more experience, like to me, it's like, okay, Woodley's good. He's an MMA fighter. He spent time grappling. Well, he was spending time grappling. Guess what? I was boxing. I didn't need to grab my his wrestling was my boxing. So right. I kickbox and then my supplemental training was boxing full time. So I mean, I was boxing Steve Rolls and all these guys, you know, who are the Canada's best. So if he wants to fight a real boxer, he knows where it is. All right. Well, he that's should graduate that's from MMA to kickboxing is what you're that's saying. That's right. That's my that's my uh that's my pitch. All right. Well, there that's you my go. sales pitch. Well, I think that the pitch should be uh, you know, how do you want to do you want to make more money? But I think I think that that's probably what Jake Paul's after now is he's looking for guys that uh, are going to generate – not that you wouldn't big generate time. views, but he's looking for like you know these big MMA legends to keep having them come out of retirement or whatever. 
Yeah, no, it's a smart Not move. Not that retired, but you know. Uh, smart let, move. Let's move over. Let's move over to the UFC. We spoke about Barboza Chikadze a little bit earlier in the show. Uh, have you watched the Ultimate Fighter this season? Um, no, I kind of got. Uh... Not, I lost interest in it. Is nobody watching this thing? Am I the only one watching this show? Because I think I, so. I, I, everybody I'm asking, I, I was on with Brian Campbell. I said, hey, have you been watching? Th-? Nobody's watching Tough. Helwani says he's not watching Tough. No. Not, I, I, so I, we cover I, the sport I lost for a living. Watch the show. The first two show. Watch I the can't. show. It's our, not you, but the, the people no, that I know, cover I MMA for a living. Watch the show. It's your job. It's too generic, Aaron. It's too much the same. It's the same thing every week, just a different guy fighting. It, it's not... They needed to do something Everybody different. Everybody says this. It's a good show. It's always been it a good, is good show. Oh, it's good. But honestly, it needs to be different if you're going to catch the attention. It got, it's got to be. I need more. I need more from them. Like if we're covering these events and we cover MMA for a living, if, we're co- if the UFC is our number one, let's say, in terms of what we cover for M- M- MMA, which most people would say it is, unless you're, like, you're, you're based in Japan and you cover Ryzen or something. But if, if the UFC is the biggest show in town, and you want to get prepared for each card. You should know about these fighters. You should watch them. You should watch what they're doing. And, and Tough is a great way to do that because you learn about their backgrounds. Like Brady Heastan, for example, who's now in the finals. I was a little bit critical that he got on the show because if you look at his record, like he was I'll pull four and zero. It's he four. Was four no, four and one. Five and one. Five and one. But if you look at the guys that he's fought, the, here's the records of the guys that he's fought: zero and two, zero and zero, zero and four, zero and six. He lost to Chad and uh, Helliger, uh, who's a Canadian, who's going to be on Contender Series, who's 9-5. and five. That's his one loss. And then his other win is 1-12. So I was thinking, how does a guy like this get a shot at the UFC with fighting guys that have has one, one win among the five guys he's beaten? And the, the reason why he got an opportunity is because he trains with Michael Chiesa. Michael Chiesa saw that this is a kid who, who's really good. He yep. called the tough producers and said, listen, I, I, I don't often play this card. But I'm going to play this card. I think that Brady Heastan deserves a shot. He's really good. I trained with him. I know that he's got a, a bright future. And he ended up proving Kiesa right. He's now in the finals. 22 years old, up-and-coming fighter. I'm happy to see him get to the spot. But I was very critical when the show started. I was like, how is this guy getting a shot? And he showed yeah. that he, he belongs there. He, he had two wins over two very good veterans uh, in Vince Murdoch and uh, Josh Reddinghouse. Um, so he, he belongs there. He belongs in the UFC win or losing as Ricky Tercios. But uh, it, w- it was good for me to learn that about him, that, that's, that he's not just a guy I can crush. He's a guy that has good talent, that's young, that can be a, a guy who, who makes a difference in the sport. So, it, you know, it's interesting to me to, to see how this all played out. Brian Battle, a very similar situation to Kelvin Gastelum, was the last pick for his team in the middleweight division, and now he's in the, in the finale. And it goes to show that people can, can uh, rise up and, and, you know, overcome being one of the last picks and, and show that they were better than people thought. And you, you watch on the show and you see that he's kind of a sponge. He's soaking up information. So it's just cool to see these guys' stories and their evolution on the show. Yeah, no, I agree. But it just it seems to be the same all the time now. I'm not, I don't, I'm opposed to it. I like it. I, I would much rather watch the Contender Series every week kind of thing, like a more than the Ultimate Fighter. Um, I'm more of a Contender Series fan than the show. But yeah. I like it. They need some different content. It's uh, maybe just a different concept somehow. That's all I'm asking for. But I'm in Di- well, if, different. If you're Be a Contender different. Series fan, Joe, it starts in one week from today. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of nice Canadians on there too. Yeah. I'll watch every week. The I'll always at uh, least 
Chad and I'll fast forward a little bit. Yeah. I'll I'll watch it, but not the Ultimate Fighter. Didn't do it. I think I don't know if the ratings. Do you know what the ratings would be potentially for, if it's for tough these well, Ultimate Fighters? It has more to of a digital play now because on ESPN Plus, right? Uh, true. So uh, that that's the way that they're doing it. Uh, they're doing it now. Do you want to hear my stats that I dug up about uh, about the Contender Series? Are you interested? Sure. All right. So, 127 fighters um, are currently signed from the show that have participated on the show. Win, wow, that's win, a lot. lose, no contest. It's 20 to 23 percent of the UFC's total roster are people that have competed on the Contender Series. Wow. So that's a pretty big number. Big, huge. 188 fighters that competed on the show were never signed to the UFC, so they either lost or they won, and they didn't win in, in impressive fashion enough to get signed. That's still, that's like still Anthony, not bad. Anthony Romero, etc. Um, 33 fighters have been signed and eventually cut. Okay. So of the fighters that, that were signed, so I guess it would be 160 in total that were signed, 33 of them have been cut uh, since then. Uh, 17 of the fighters that competed on the show are ranked, so about... 9.6% of the ranked fighters in the UFC right now have competed on the show, so that's pretty good. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, and the all-time record, UFC record, of guys that have competed on the show, guys or girls that have competed, women that have competed on the show, 278, 266, and 5 with 9 no contests. So about a 50% win percentage, 0.498% winning percentage. Okay. So pretty good results. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're somebody that's competed on the show, chances are you're coming in from the regional level, and to have that kind of success on the show I think is, is good. Yeah. And a lot of times they're thrown into big fights when they get in there too, so yeah. Yeah, and then the records of those who won on the show but didn't win a contract at the time that have, I guess, either bounced around the regional scene or got signed after the fact are 60 and 51. So it's 19 of them are under contract and five of them have since been released. Yeah, you did your math homework this week. Yeah, I, I, it took me a couple hours actually because I was just curious. I was curious what percentage of the roster. So are... you counted all of those, Aaron, one yeah. by one? Yep, yeah, one by one. I went through it hey. event by event and put together a spreadsheet and very nerdy stuff, Joe. Very no, nerdy that's stuff. that's unreal. No, well, you, you like your stats. Well, you're hitting pads in the gym and training people to become you know warriors. I'm just here crunching Excel spreadsheets and. Uh, no, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's well done. You should you should share that news next time you uh, get Dana on. Yeah, I'm, sure, like, he, hey, I'm Dana, sure he knows. I did some. I'm sure he yeah. knows. I would imagine he knows, but I. But I would to have a him. journalist do that research for him and kind of bring that stats, I think it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Drop I should that probably, bomb. I should send it to him before he does his, his interviews for the uh, the Contender Series uh, next week. Yeah, just say, hey, I thought I did it. thought it would be cool to, uh, if you want to use some of these stats. Yeah. He probably already has them, honestly. But uh, they're not, they're not going to give that kind of confidential information to me. I've got to dig it up myself. Uh, <laughs> so we have Brian Battle taking on Gilbert Urbina. Ur- Urbina stepping in uh, for uh, the fighter that was supposed to be facing him, Treshawn uh, Gore, who... Uh, got injured, unfortunately, had an Achilles injury and uh, had to pull out of the finale. So Urbina, who Gore defeated, gets the the spot on the finale against Brian Battle. Very interesting fight. Urbina has two brothers, one of which has competed in the the, uh, Tough and the Contender Series, and another one that has competed in Tough and in the UFC. So he's actually the third Urbina that will get a crack at... uh, he he might be able to write that wrong and actually win the Ultimate Fighter, unlike his two brothers. So that's a cool cool story for Gilbert Urbina. Yeah, I'm surprised Kevin Lee and Daniel Rodriguez was in our co-main event for this event. What is the co-main event? Have they determined the co? Are Based on uh, the UFC, it's the Urbina. Oh, really? Battle on the Urbina, Urbina battle. Okay. The that's what uh, I mean. I'm on the UFC site right now. Interesting. That Lee Rodriguez fight is very interesting. Oh yeah, that's that's a fantastic fight. 
Who are you leaning towards that? I, I've heard a lot of uh, journalists and MMA analysts go with Rodriguez. I'm thinking it's a Kevin Lee fight, to be honest. Well, here's the thing. Who has Rodriguez fought that's a wrestler? Like, I'm, I'm just going to look at his, his background. So he's, he's has a lot of UFC fights already. Well, his, his debut was February of 2020. And he's fought, what, let me, is this correct? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. I guess the contender series don't count. So eight times. That's, that's a lot. Like yeah, he seems years. really active. He is active. So Means is more of a striker. Uh, Kevin Holland, definitely more of a striker. Gabriel Green, more of a striker. Mike Perry, of course, more of a striker. Dwight Grant, more like he's been well-rounded. Dalby, well-rounded. Uh, and Preston Parsons, I think, is more of a wrestler, but not like a Kevin Lee caliber wrestler. So a lot of strikers. So I think basically the question is going to be, can he keep it on the feet? If he can keep it on the feet, I expect him to have more, val- uh, more volume and do more damage than Kevin Lee, which would, would make me lean towards him. But Kevin Lee has that, that wrestling card in his back pocket at all times. And if he can take Rodriguez down, I think he can win uh, this fight. And he might also be able to knock him out. But, you know, Kevin Lee's got underrated striking, and he keeps getting better. So uh, I'm eager to see how that one goes. That's, a, that's an interesting one. I don't really have a, a strong read on it. If I was going to make a, a read on it, I, I'm curious what the total is like what the over in the fight is, because I, I, I would expect this one to go to the distance. The over two and a half rounds is minus 125. That's what I would lean towards. Yeah, I I, I just think uh, maybe Kevin Lee's a little bit more the explosive striker, right? I think uh, Rodriguez has more of that forward pressure, stay in your face, the volume. volume. But if Kevin Lee touches you, you know, he puts you out. I mean, uh, it was the Gillespie fight with that nice exit head kick knockout. So Kevin Lee's got that that type of power that uh, it comes fast, almost like a Tyron Woodley, you know, when in his prime. Like if it comes and it it lets go, he can really fire out and explode. But he's coming back from double knee surgery within, uh, I think, only within 12 months. Yeah, yeah he mentioned which, that to Ariel. Yeah, that's insane. A double knee surgery, which crazy to be coming back i think he's had a little bit of bad luck in his career too and i think he came in with a lot of confidence and hype but he's still confident that's the main thing he's been his ups he's down um but he's confident so he's gonna need that i think rodriguez is a perfect fight for him um is this his welterweight debut no, because he fought no, Kiesa he's at fought, welterweight he, right? no Kiesa was lightweight but he's fought uh rafael dos anjos at uh at welterweight, he fought a couple. He had took a couple of welterweight. Oh no, I guess Dos Anjos would be the only one that he fought at welterweight, um, if I'm not mistaken. But well, he, I think he this is a to good move fight. To welterweight, and then he moved, ended up moving back down to lightweight and fought Gillespie and uh, and uh, Charles Oliveira. Fantastic fight for him. I think this is the right uh, the right fight for him and a, a big test for Rodriguez. Yeah, for sure. This is a. I think this is a good opponent for him to have. At 170 pounds to, to prove. I mean, he's talking about how he wants to fight Usman and stuff. I mean, he's he, he he's one of those guys that likes to put the cart before the horse and, and look down the line, which I think yeah. is interesting. Um, yeah. Andre Petrosky is uh, facing Michael Gilmore. Gilmore was uh, a replacement on the show on The Ultimate Fighter. A guy got injured on the show. Gilmore was like in Las Vegas on standby for the show, basically, just hoping that something would happen. Got, got the call to be on the show. So I guess they're rewarding him here. But uh, he's, he's a big underdog against Andre Petrosky. Yeah, I don't know much about him, so I'll be uh, All right, so watching in. Mahmoud Muradov is a minus 500 favorite against uh, Gerald Mearshart. I'm going to take the Mearshart submission one like I always do. A lot Mearshart's, of people, yeah. Mearshart yeah, likes he'll to win do by it. sub, but Muradov's a great fighter. He's managed by Floyd Mayweather. Uh, big oh, striker, really? good technical striker, long for the division. 
uh, a real up-and-comer in the division, so Mearshart's got his hands full once again. But as we know from Gerald Mearshart, he doesn't, doesn't turn fights down. Yeah, I mean, his only one big downfall was his knockout by Shamayev, which was a quick one, right? Yeah, Otherwise, right. like, I mean, once he grabs you and he grapples you, you're done. He's yeah, it's <laughs> like done. that Damian Maya, right? Yeah. He has that chance. So yeah, I second round submission. If you're gonna put some money on it, uh, Gerald Mearshot's uh, the guy. Nice fight. The sub sub props plus five seventy five, and I think that that's Mearshart's absolute best path to victory. So we'll have to see. Uh, Alessio DeShirico is back in action against uh, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Al-Hassan has had a, a bad run. I think he's lost four in a row. This is probably his last chance. What's the Al-Hassan KO prop? Plus 210. You're not getting much value there. That's basically his only, his only way to win is a KO, in my opinion. But uh, we'll have to see how that goes. Yeah, I'm, uh, you can, you're going to know right away from this prelim who's my favorite fight. All right, let's move on then. Let me uh, see. Is it, is it the Justin Dustin Jacoby Darren Stewart of fight? Of course, yeah. I think that's a banger written all over it. Darren Stewart doesn't care at all. No, he doesn't. You know, does not care at all. And Jacoby, being the striker, is going to try to pick him apart. But uh, that's a fun fight. I'm going to find the odds right now. Jacoby by decisions plus one sixty five. The odds overall minus one eighty for Jacoby, uh, about plus one sixty for Darren Stewart. I think Jacoby decision is uh, the, maybe the right call here. I don't like a lot of angles on this fight, honestly. Stewart decision to plus 350 is not bad either, but I don't think Stewart's going to win inside the distance. No, Stewart relies on big, heavy, loopy punches. You're not going to land that on Jacoby. Jacoby's no. going to use good distance, good jab, calf kick you all day. Yeah, if you're throwing big, looping punches, he'll hit apart. you with a stinging jab, and you, you could be in big trouble. But we've seen Stewart grapple and use good cage control sometimes, you know? So I think that's his uh, plan to victory, try to get – Jacoby against the cage, try to take him down, some top pressure. But I think Jacoby's distance movement is going to be too much. Uh, J.J. Aldrich is a minus 380 favorite against uh, Vanessa Demopoulos, who's taking the fight on short notice. Aldrich was supposed to be facing Tracy Cortez, who got injured. So oh, Demopoulos, I didn't know that. Yeah, Demopoulos uh, was on the contender series, uh, lost on the contender series last year, and uh, is now getting a short notice opportunity in the UFC. That's an interesting one. Um, what's the Aldrich, de- Aldrich decision prop? What's, the, what's that one? Aldridge decision is minus 162, but Aldridge inside at plus 400 might be worth a look. I don't know how many finishes J.J. Aldridge actually has, but uh, uh, let me see. Let's see. What, what's J.J. Aldridge? Does she, has, has she gotten a finish in the UFC is my question. Let's see. 9-4 and four in the UFC. She has won all her fights by decision. She has a knockout on the regional scene in 2016. <laughs> so... But she's fought some pretty tough, uh, tough opponents as well. So we'll have to see. I, I don't know. If, I don't have a strong read on that one. I, I, I mean, I would probably lean towards Aldrich by decision, but I don't want to pay minus one seventy for a decision prop. Yeah. No. Well, we're gonna find out soon. What's your main pick from the TSN picks? What was your main one? So my TSN edge picks. I haven't put them in yet, but what they will be is uh, one of them will be Sam Alvey. Uh, by KO when that line comes out, Alvi inside the distance is plus two seventy five. I mean that that's that would be my pick for that fight, Alvi uh-huh. against Wellington Terman, the Terminator as I call him. I don't know why that's not his nickname. If it if maybe it is, but it, if it's not, it should be. Yeah, uh, I agree. Terman, the Terminator. Uh, I like him there. Um, I like the um, over in the Barbo. Oh, uh, sorry, the uh, under in the Jakadze and Barboza fight at minus one twenty five. I like not the, bad. Uh, I like the over in the Rodriguez and Lee fight at minus 125. I'll probably take that. And uh, 
that's what I like so far, just just uh, off the top of my head. Um, in terms of uh, a long, sh in terms of my dart, I don't really have anything just yet. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to comb through the other lines. I like Deshiriko by knockout as well. Deshiriko by knockout is uh, plus 500 right now. Uh, I would take that prop uh, if uh, if you can find it at that price for sure. Deshiriko knockout over Abdul Razak Al Hassan. Al Hassan just gases out. I was gonna say your prop bets have been one of your best. Probably this year. You've been I was going so more close prop to hitting two plus sixteen hundred picks this past weekend. I, I'm actually still angry about it because they should have hit. Yeah. Which Just ones a little bit they? more killer instinct in the third round from two of these guys, and they would have hit. Okay. Which fight was it though? Well, so the one remember? was Sal Saldana and Lingo. I had Lingo third round plus sixteen hundred, and Saldana was fighting on a broken foot for like two rounds, and 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 yeah. ran out of gas in the third round. And then I, Parker Porter third round against Chase Sherman. Chase Sherman took like the slightest groin shot and like took three minutes to recover when Porter, Porter was starting to pick up the pace. If Porter would have shown a little bit more color instinct, yeah. he would have been able to put it on. He, he, like Sherman looked so gassed in that third round. He looked like he was going to just tap out from exhaustion. Just like <laughs> just tap his own leg and say, like, let me out. I'm done. But uh, yeah. yeah, those were both plus 1600. And I'm, I'm, I'm still upset that those didn't hit. Yeah. That would have been if someone followed you and hit that, they would have been uh, very happy people. But my three straight picks hit last week; for they were three and zero, so that was good. But uh, yeah, so I'm I'm gonna wait and see. I might look. What's Jacoby third round paying? Jacoby wins round three at plus twelve hundred. I might look at that one. But Darren Stewart doesn't necessarily slow down in fights, so usually yeah, what I, I look for is people that yeah. slow down. Yeah, then then that someone who can pick apart. Yeah, it could be good. Yeah, Jacoby, I would say if you for a finish, I would say third makes sense. Yeah, late second, third, but third would be your safest bet. And is this fight at light heavyweight? Is Stewart moving up? I guess Stewart's moving up to light heavyweight for this one too. So, and Jacoby's always bounced between one eighty five. Jacoby and Glory was one eighty five. Oh, so maybe this is a one eighty five fight. I should go out. It says light heavyweight on the UFC oh, site. It? So then it's light heavyweight. Okay. Yeah, but uh, I think Jacoby jumps up and down. I, I'm pretty sure Jacoby was only 205 in the UFC. And yeah, then so uh, Darren Stewart had a – who was his fight last time? It was pretty – it was a fun fight. It was Eric Anders, remember. and they did it at Yes, 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 up. and that was 205 as well. Up. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, uh, one, last, uh, one, uh, one last note on this fight. Uh, Mano Martinez making his UFC debut. He's a minus 380 favorite against Guido Canetti. Guido Canetti's plus 290, but – uh, Mana Martinez, coached by uh, the late Saul Solis, who passed away a couple weeks ago due to COVID-19. So uh, okay. he'll be coming into this one with a heavy heart, uh, eager to see how he does in his debut under those circumstances. Yeah, my condolences. I saw the UFC kind of put um, a little memorial up. I didn't know yeah. him or much about it, but my condolences. I know how uh, tough it is to lose a coach like that. So my condolences. Well, Adrian Yanez uh, trains under uh, Saul Solis. And Adrian Yanez lost his dad about five, six years ago. And Saul Solis was like a father figure to him. So to, to lose yeah. both his dad and his coach, his father figure, yeah. that's tough on uh, Adrian Yanez. So. Coaches become very close to their athletes. So, I mean, it must be very hard to lose your coach. And, and if you're in the UFC and your coach is your confidence in the ring and, you know, like even with me, when my coach came, I fought more confidently than when he wasn't. So it plays a big factor. All right, well, uh, I'll have those TSN Edge picks out soon. I'll have the uh, the uh, interview edition will also be up very soon. I'm just going to run down our guest list for this week before we uh, wrap this bad boy up. I'm going to see if Anthony Taylor does uh, an interview with me. I, I know he's going to be on Helwani's show um, sometime this week. So let's see. What, what do we got here? So for this week, we will have Kevin Lee, Giga Chikadze, 
uh, Brian Battle, Gilbert Urbina, Brady Heastand, and Ricky Tercios on the show. And I'm going to see if Gerald wants to talk to me as well. And I, I need to catch up with Stat. Gerald Mearshart. Yeah, Gerald would be a cool guy. Probably a nice, serious interview, though. See if you can get him to laugh. He always seems serious to me, Gerald. Gerald? Oh, Gerald's always laughing when I am. I'm he? on with him. All right. He always seems serious and like I'm almost like I'm scared of him. You know, really? he's got that. Gerald? Yeah. Nah, he looks Gerald's friendly, a, but he always guy. seems firm, you know? Yeah, well, he, he is. He's a, he's, he is funny. He is, he's a funny guy. I like Gerald. He's, he's a, yeah. a great personality. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love his post fight. They're, they're good because they're not overly like exciting based, but he's, he's real. You know, he gives it to you how it is. The all-time middleweight submission leader, Gerald Mearshart, over That's over the it. likes of Demian Maya and Antonio Carlos Jr., some of the the, 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 the the most decorated BJJ guys in the history of the sport. So uh, kudos to Gerald. Uh, all right, let's wrap it up, Joe. I think you need to get going. Yes, and, sir. Uh, and we got uh, that UFC card this weekend. We'll be back next week. I don't know. I know you're going to the Netherlands, so I'm not sure if we're going to be able to, to work this bad boy out. Are you quarantining at all in the Netherlands? Um, no, we're pretty good there. We just have to do a test before the event. So I I was going to see if I could get you during a time of quarantine, but, uh, we can, we can sort it out. Maybe we can do it Monday or something, but, uh, either way, uh, if I don't talk to you next week, have, have fun calling glory. I'm, uh, I'm happy for you that you get to be uh, ringside once more. Uh, to see, nice to see glory back in, uh, back in action. Uh, so until then enjoy the fights. All right. See you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.